Star Star What up, everybody? This is your boy, the mayor. Currently in a hostage situation, you see. They got me in that, like, ISIS-like room with the black wall behind me with a little bit of daylight, you know what I'm saying? I can see deepest, darkest Africa from across the water where I'm from. And we're back with the newest episode of The Start of Five. As always, y'all know what to do. My bad. Hit that QR code in the bottom corner of the screen right there. That'll get you to everything about us, the Start Five Podcast. But I ain't going to go no further because we got a light one for y'all this week. TJ, you know what to do. What up, everybody? Hope y'all staying warm this weekend. It is brick-ass cold outside. Um, besides that, it's been a good weekend. My Knicks are on a three-game winning streak. Very, very happy about that. They won eight out of their last 11. It's grind time. The first part of this year, you know, there's not much going on outside of sports. So that's what I've been doing, grinding, getting back in shape, back in, you know, working out, tighten that up, all the loose ends I need to tighten up to set myself up better for the later in the year. What's going on, Jay? What's good, what though? How's everybody? What's up to the world out like there? You know, just piggybacking on what my man TJ said. It's been a good week for the Knicks, particularly, you know, RJ Barrett, aka the Nine God, aka the Badman Barrett, the Badman Barrett. Um, but yeah, just trying to stay warm. You know, it is brick out there, and I'm trying to do my best to stay as far away from outside as possible right now. Word. Yeah, well, I got to. Well, I don't have to be outside because I work inside, but. Fuck work today because they pissed me off a little while ago. It is what it is. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, real quick on our Knicks, Cam Reddish, somebody that many of us probably thought we should have tried to get in the draft at the time. Instead, we got got his Duke brethren, R.J. Barrett. But they back together again. Now some people are thinking, you know, the the fluffy Zion is – 
it should be on the way next, which that was the person that I wanted drafted in the beginning. And then maybe he might have been in a better place, you know, now if he was a Nick then. But it is what it is, man. But what do y'all think about this uh this Cam Reddish pickup? Yo, I love it. I love it. Dude is long, can shoot, oh. play, can play defense. Um, he just gotta find his way. You know, Tibbs is always about defense. That's the way you're gonna get on the floor. So let him earn it in practice, like the, like the rest of them. As I'm sure RJ being there is going to help him out a bunch tremendously, and he can learn from him, you know, show him the ropes, show him how to get around working with Tibbs and the rest of the guys. And uh, we already have a solid bench. We have one of the best benches in the league. This is only going to reinforce us and make us that much better uh, with starting five playing uh, as well as they've been playing these last three or four games. Uh, we should be able to beat anybody on any given night if we can just tighten it up. Um, I think it's a good pickup. I mean, he, he didn't really cost us nothing. Shout out to the Knicks front office these last two or three years because we went from being the joke of the league to one of the best. And with the money, with the talent they're bringing in, and granted, we still don't have no superstars. We got a bunch of good players and some kids. But our core is solid. Our bench is solid. Cam, Cam uh, is like you said, is long. Um, old boy um, can play defense. He's got an upside. I think it was a great pickup. It didn't cost us nothing. Um, you know, I think it was a great move. Yeah, and JP said it. He said it when the move was potentially being made. World Wide West was going to be a big difference maker for us in that front office and so far so good so far so good man i just i just like i just would like to see the progress in wins in wins and future playoff performances just to keep us in you know in potential to possibly win one day one day in our lifetimes that is because uh eagles did it in my lifetime so i got to see that too Knicks, Knicks is overdue. They overdue. I mean, if the Cubs can win the World Series and the Boston can win the World Series and the Eagles can win the uh, Super Bowl, the Knicks is definitely climbing up that list to win, get their chip next, for yeah, sure. Especially, especially when you mention Boston. I thought, I literally thought, and I remember, I remember exactly where I was when I told my father, I, I hope to never see the Red Sox win a World Series. I was in the living room. Of the house, and I really felt, and I was talking to him like, "Yo, I really feel like the Red Sox will never win in my lifetime." And of course, they got three of them things mm-hmm. in, in my lifetime, and I never want to see that happen again. But um, <laughs> with you on that, mm-hmm. but let's get right into it. As I mentioned, we got a light one this week, so we got to get right into this NFL Wild Card Weekend that already kicked off yesterday. With as I pull up these uh as I pull up these uh well the Patriots got em- embarrassed last night and that's a beautiful thing we'll start right there the Bills Patriots Bills whooped on them forty seven to seventeen I didn't get to see the game but these are the Bills that I was predicting would come through this season and should have really ran like serious roughshod over the AFC as a whole with the exception of. You know the Chiefs, and again, I la- I mentioned it last week. I mentioned it again. Who expected the Titans to be where they are right now? I didn't. 
but we had the Bills winning yesterday and definitely, definitely was rooting for Joe Burrow in this one. I got to watch a little bit of this one. Bengals beating up on the Raiders 26 to 19. Uh, I, I personally think both of those games went the way I was I was hoping and expecting. What do y'all think? Uh, the Raiders could have possibly won that game if they didn't shoot themselves in the foot several times inside the red zone. They had two costly full start penalties inside the five that pushed them back, and they ended up kicking field goals instead of you know trying to put touchdowns on the board. They just made a lot of mental mistakes. You could it, it seemed like it was their first time in the playoffs with the with the mental mistakes they were making. They they definitely played themselves out of out of winning that game. Not to take anything away from the Bengals defense. The Bengals defense was in the backfield a lot yesterday, uh, giving Derek Carr all kind of problems. And um they were stifling the run game when they could. Um shout out to Joe Burrow. He's the truth, man. Dude was throwing dimes all over the field, and Jamar Chase is a problem. Mm-hmm. He is a problem. Word. That boy is no joke. But like you mentioned, though, and I throw it to Jamal, it's mental mistakes. When I seen there was a kickoff, I think, after one of the field goals, I think it was before yeah. that. Yeah. And the ball was approaching, going out of bounds, even though it did kind of slightly look like it might have died on the field. And All he had to do was step out the bounds, step out of bounds, and touch the ball, Dan, and they would have got it at the 40. He he should have never touched the ball, Jamal. No, I mean, there was no surprises, though, yesterday, especially with that Raiders team. That Raiders team, they played the way they play all year round. They, ne- they never know if they want to be good or mediocre. And the fact that they got into the playoffs, they, you know, they were fortunate with that. Um, uh, but, yeah, like Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow is, is, is the truth. I mean, I never doubted him, but like he's that man. That man is something else, bro. He, he's going to be a player for a long time. Um, the Patriots game, there's no surprises there, really. The Bills played like who they were supposed to play, like we thought they were going to be from the beginning of the season. Um, the Patriots, they got nothing to hang their heads about, man. They they made a play. They got to the playoffs with Mac Jones, and mm-hmm. um, I don't think they're going to be. Uh, at this level for long, I think next year they're going to be a bigger problem. And then, you know, a couple of seasons after that, it's, you know, all bets are off. I don't know, Jamal, that, that defense was getting gashed yesterday. They look really bad, man. They're good. Their defense overachieved this year. They had a, a, a good defense with not a lot of names on it. So, mm-hmm. um, and so it was good team defense, but you know, I think Bill will get that together. Well, no, they'll, bring, they'll bring in some folks. The key mm-hmm. word you the key word you used was overachieved, and I think the Patriots definitely overachieved this season. Just like how I thought the one o'clock game that's going on right now, as y'all watching us, you could be watching them. My Eagles versus the uh, versus the Tampa Bay Bucks. My Eagles overachieved this season, um, but I'm going to be realist, and I think the Bucks might win this one, but in a close game. Like it's not going to be. A 10, 10, maybe seven point. Like I think this this weekend might be like a three four point loss for my Eagles, and I'll be okay with that because they they definitely surprised me this season. Bro, Dan, if you go back to the one of the shows we had early in the year, I said that I thought the Eagles were going to be good, better than people thought. I thought I know a lot of folks were down on on Hertz, and they didn't know what to expect from that coach, but you know. 
I, I think that I don't I don't know so much they overachieved, but matter or just that you know the coach did a good job. He figured it out. You know, first time head coach, and I gotta give I gotta give him that props. Yeah, I give yeah. you that. I give you that. But uh, somebody to- had to come out. Somebody has to come out the NFC East, right? Because the next the next game we'll talk about had to come out, but uh shout outs to Steve and his podcast for four bridges four bridges and a ferry podcast. Brand new actually helped the brother out with uh getting that one started. But he mentioned they played in a weak division. That's true, but for the Eagles to have made it, we could say the NFC was weak altogether to make it in a nine and eight. Absolutely. To make it in at nine and eight, the Eagles, you know, it, it is what it is. And we played real rough. We lost games that we should have won early that, that put us in this bad position. And like I said, hey, the, the season could be put to rest today, but I will be pleasantly surprised if Philadelphia shocks me. And I'll just keep that at that, TJ. Listen, Tom Brady does not like people around him, hands in his face, by his feet. None of that. Even though he's a cerebral veteran quarterback and knows where to put the ball, the man does not like pressure. If the Eagles can generate enough pressure to frustrate Tom Brady, they have a great shot of winning this game and upsetting the Bucks. They beat them once this year, I believe, already, right? So um, this is this is not going to be a walk in the park for them by in, by no means. So it should be a good game. It should be an entertaining game. Um, just what are the Eagles going to do on the offensive side of the ball to combat the Buccaneers' defense? That's where the real story lies. Right. And your pick. Whew. I hate saying this, but I hate both teams for 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 various reasons. And I really don't have a dog in this fight, but I'm going to hate Tom Brady a little bit more today, and I'm picking the Eagles in the upset. Nice. Good for you. By a field goal. <laughs> good for you. I, good for you. Like I said, Eagles, <laughs> Eagles knock me, please. As Steve said, Eagles have a better two or three-year outlook than the Giants do, and I'm a Giants fan saying that. Absolutely. That's first and foremost. And, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> Trent, I got a better two or three-year outlook, outlook than the Giants, bro. <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars got a better outlook. But we, <laughs> but we'll pause that there. Next game – at 4.30 today, 49ers, Cowboys. Another two teams I've always hated, but I am wearing the 49ers colors this weekend. I am wearing yeah. the fuck out of them 49ers colors this weekend. I do not want to see Cowboys advance. If they lose today, which I'm picking them to lose, next week is going to be part two. <laughs> and I promise y'all of that. I promise y'all next week, TJ, we are having a full possibly hour longer segment. And I'm gonna we're gonna come with lists. Jamal, have a list ready of shit that has happened since the Cowboys school since the last time the Cowboys won Super Bowl. So the is all day today. That's an oh, almanac and shit, bro. That's like a full almanac. Almanac. Listen, what would be the craziest shit today if the Eagles win and the Cowboys lose? That would be the most beautiful thing. 
the internet is going to be the internet will be on fire, bro. At 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 by six thirty, seven o'clock today, if the Eagles win and the Cowboys lose, holy shit! I want to see it. I want to see violence today. I want to see a bunch of violence today. I want to see blood on the walls, on the floors, everywhere, just gushing. I want it to happen. I want the 49ers, not just to beat them, I want the 49ers to humiliate them today. Just like take their soul on some old, what the Patriots, how the Bills beat the Patriots type shit today. That's the way I want it to go down. It would bring me so much joy to see the Cowboys fold like that. I don't know why there's so much hate in my heart for them. I fucking, I do know why there's so much hate in my heart for them. And I give a shit. Fuck the Cowboys. <laughs> but Jamal, you know what's going to happen with all this venom with spewing? Watch they fucking win. Yeah, bro. If the Cowboys lose, it's going to be a bad mental health day in America tomorrow, Jack. <laughs> Thank God it's MLK Day because some people might not be at work tomorrow. But, uh, it, you know, would it be crazy if the, it'd be crazy if the Cowboys win? Because what do they do when they go to the playoffs? They lose. So if they win, that would be surprising. You know, listen, if they lose, you're going to see a lot of videos and memes of people throwing shit at their TVs throughout the whole day. That's yes. what you're going to see. People, grown men throwing tantrums and rants and shit. I can't wait to see it all on TikTok later this afternoon. <laughs> Can't wait. If they lose, though, does Mike McCarthy still have a job? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry doesn't give up on coaches as easily as uh, the ones we're about to talk about in a little while. <clears throat> Texans and uh, <clears throat> as as the background <laughs> shows. The, the go- <laughs> Thank you for the cough, TJ. That helped me because I wasn't coughing. Uh, the ghost of Jim Caldwell still lives in Detroit. But uh, next up. Chiefs versus the Steelers. The Steelers, I did not expect. I did not expect. But thank you, Jacksonville, for fucking shit up last week. And I'm not saying that happily, but (laughs) thank you, Jacksonville, for fucking shit up last week to allow a team like this to make it to the playoffs. It was supposed to have been Big Ben's last game last weekend, but this week happens to be Big Ben's last game. I am sorry. Hopefully... (laughs) Hopefully Tariq Hill's freaking uh freaking injury from well yeah he was hurt last week. I don't know if it was a full injury, but hopefully his, his legs are doing better this week. The way he could get that 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 bounce and that speed back into full effect to just demolish the, the Steelers. I, I'm calling this one a minimum by 10. The Chiefs win today. Yeah, yeah, I think they're gonna run through. I think they're gonna run through the, the Steelers. Uh, but, you know, just going to give a quick shout out to Mike Tomlin because there's a lot of slander on his name uh, right. um, repeatedly. And they gutted it out. They made it. You know, still no losing seasons. You know, a lot of times people like to say, well, it's not Mike Tomlin. It's his coaches or it's these players. Or whatever. The fact is, when he was the top guy in that organization, when he was the HNIC, that team – always was in the positive in the win column. And you got to respect that. And you know what else? You What else? You got to respect as the only black head coach left, which we're going to get into that as our final thing to talk about. But respect to, respect to him because 
he's never once had a lo- losing season exactly in the NFL. Along right. with, you know, be thankful this one was a week there was fucking 17 games because they're nine, seven, and one. Right. Still kept, still kept his uh, above 500 uh, status. But respects to the Steelers organization as a whole. And I had mentioned that on somebody's comment on one of the groups uh, this week because the Steelers themselves, like, this team, I think, has had a total of four head coaches in their entire history. That shows a level of stability like none other. And I'm talking across mm-hmm. all sports. You never see this length of stability, TJ, in head coaching anywhere. And again, no. pay respect to this man's excuse me, pay respect to this man's record that again never ever had a losing season. That should tell you something about black coaches in the NFL. Indeed. I mean, listen, the Steelers didn't expect to be in the playoffs this year, the way they played half the season. And for them to be there is a quite an accomplishment, like you both stated. But this just goes into the type of coaching that the front office has put in place to keep that stability. You know, these guys have a, a bar set and, there's, you know, the next person's got to live up to it or go above and beyond that. And they've all won Super Bowls. Cower, Knox, Tomlin, they've all won Super Bowls. So the bar has been set that when you come coach the Steelers, you better have a level of expectation not only of yourself, but the people you bring in an organization to be a winning organization on top of that. But on that there, it, it, it goes to the organization allowing time. Allowing time yes. for a coach to develop, allowing time for a coach to build his team the way they need to see fit to win. And well, that, here it is. That's where Go stability. Ahead. I'm just saying that's where stability in the organization is key. Unlike y'all Giants. Well, you right, and you know what? They never let their players go too far. You know what I'm saying? Where they have to do a full rebuild. Steelers have never been in a full rebuild ever since I've known them, where they just stripped the team down and got to rebuild the offensive line, rebuild the running backs, rebuild, the, rebuild, reconstruct the defense. No, they're always plugging in new players at one position, and they keep they keep maintaining this process and recycling players in and out of their system to keep that level of, of integrity and winning. That, that, that goes a long way. That's very hard to do. That is yep. very hard to do. And this being a copycat league, I don't know why nobody's followed that blueprint, maybe outside of New England, of keeping their talent and knowing when to let go of, of their talent when they need to let go of them. Yeah. Outside of keeping Ben maybe two or three years too long, this everything else has been above board. Their drafts have been phenomenal throughout the years. They're always getting killer linebackers, defensive yep. tackles. They're always getting like interior linemen that you've never heard of that, that they just come out and produce year in and that year out. They're always drafting excellent running backs, wide receivers. They always their scouting department and their player personnel, director play personnel is phenomenal. It's and above there's, board. There's low yeah. turnover in, in, in those areas. That's the key. Yeah. Right. Those, those folks love to pl- love to work for that organization. They, they don't leave. They don't chase the dollar. No. No, they know where the bread is buttered and why go anywhere else when you're set? Yeah. 
and exactly everyone else's staff isn't isn't competent. Hundred percent, hundred percent. That's that's the homie Curtis, aka Hollis. He got his old page back. Shout out to you, brother. But TJ, make your pick on this game. We we we've uh we've praised the Steelers enough. Shout out to all our Steelers <laughs> friend fan friends and all of them. But it's time yeah. to make this game so we could get to the yeah. last. Yeah, they're closing the curtain on Ben today. Uh, he's had a great career, Hall of Fame career, easily first ballot nominee. Uh, his his list of accomplishments is a laundry list. It's dumb long. Um, no, no, nothing to be ashamed about. He went out on his shield today, and that's what you want to do. You want to go out on your shield and uh, go ahead. It's, despite all the controversy and shit I behind him. He's a Hall of Famer in the field and at the bar. <laughs> but last but not least, the first ever Monday night playoff game. They saved the best for last. Rams, Cardinals. This one, I think this is LA's time to really let people know that they've been legit. Too many superstars across the board. Uh, they've been playing decent football to close out the season. Matt Stafford is going to show these people he's always been for real. And this is what happens, Detroit, when you actually get a crew around the man that can that can help him do something. Goes to Jim Caldwell, still in effect over there, as I will repeat. But <laughs> the Rams, the Rams win this one because this is same division rivals. This is going to be a four to seven point game Rams win. Yeah, they got they got talent all across the board. They got Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. on opposite sides. They got a solid running game. Stafford is looking like Megatron is back. He's got like four Megatrons on on the on the wideouts, and he's just throwing dimes all day. I mean, Jesus Christ! You see what happens when you give a a, a better than average quarterback some time to throw the ball, what he could do for your team. If you put pieces around him, like you said, Dan, that's all these people want to do is is play winning football. But if you don't surround the guy to play winning football, it's never going to happen. It's not going to magically happen. He's not going to pull wins out of his ass because he doesn't have the people around him to help him. But shout out to Matt Stafford. I want to see the guy win. He's winning now. And, you know, I predict in the win. I think they're going to win by 10 points today. I don't think uh, – I think uh, Kyler Murray's going to make a few missteps and, of course, it may, may throw a pick here or there that might cost him the game. Yeah, and, Jamal, when you stack up Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham together, like, I mean, one on top of the other one's shoulders, or they could do a fusion dance like this Dragon Ball, then you'll have <laughs> then you'll have Megatron in one person. Yeah. <laughs> Man, on paper, I want to say the Rams should come out this on you know two scores up man i just don't know who's going to show up today bro and the rams sometimes they, they make me scratch my head you know uh the other thing is stafford can make all the throw he can make any throw aaron Rodgers can make but stafford has been on a losing team his whole career and so this is now his first time on the big stage he could lay an egg bro he hmm. could. He could. Hmm. I don't, That's I don't interesting. That I personally He's not used to winning. It, You're right. But as we this talked is. about, there's the difference between having weapons and not. 
This is the this is the difference between having good coaching and not. This is the difference between having a better organization as a whole and not. And I think personally, yeah, he's used to losing, but I, I think he's going to be able to personally. I think he's going to be able to wash that stink off him. Where do you see this game going though? Um. I'm gonna say the Rams win. I, I, I and a tight one. Yeah, Jamal. As yeah. long as he has time to throw the ball, he's gonna be all right. I don't think because he's not really a bad decision maker. Right. As long as he has time to he's throw the ball. Right. Yeah, if he was a bad decision maker, I could kind of agree with you on that. But if he's got time to throw the ball, he's gonna get it to whoever he needs to get the ball, and he's just gonna pick them apart. Not to say yeah. nothing against the. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals secondary because they got a strong secondary. Yeah, well, the Arizona Cardinals as a whole got a strong team, and it's not like we're sleeping on them. I just personally think personnel-wise, you know, 22 versus 22, I think the Rams – They're just a notch better. Yeah. They are better. Kyler Murray shows out today, though, man. Yeah, yeah. We could be upset, bro. Yeah, so. he's going to need his legs today. He's going to be scrambling. He's going to be running a lot. He's going to definitely need his legs today. They're going to have to spy on him a lot. Yeah, but personally, though, out of the NFC, like I, I personally think this is the game that that tells us who's going to take it all the way, possibly. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, Green Bay's got the time to rest up and all that. But even Green Bay has been shit in the bed in the playoffs over the past. Oh, ever since they last won their Super Bowl, they've. They get in, they'll get to that NFC championship game, and bye-bye. It's night-night for them because Aaron Rodgers will get touched. Aaron Rodgers will make bad reads. All of a sudden, the, the, the wide receivers can't catch, ball, can't, can't catch balls. And, um, and as I always say, just like it always happens, like it did this year, Green Bay's defense never has success if they are not playing with a lead. Season in and season out. This always happens. It always happens. I'm not sure if Hopkins is back today. I know they said his injury was, uh, you know, it, it was supposed to be at a point to where he could possibly return for the playoffs. But uh, I think it might have been a better chance for him to come back um, if they advance to the next round. But I would have to look that up, and I haven't looked that up before a show. I totally forgot about that. My bad, y'all. But let's get last last into this last topic. As TJ mentioned to me earlier in the week, it was Black Monday. Tons of NFL coaches got fired. But as we mentioned before, there's now only one person of color that looks like us. Well, there's two people. There's two. I was going to say there's three people of color that are still left in the league. There's only one black man left. But there's Ron Rivera, there's uh, a homie in the, on the yeah Rob Sala, Robert Sala, and just on and the Mike back Tomlin. Hand, Mike Tomlin is the only ones left. So one question I wanted to discuss with y'all was why do we think or why why is it that it just seems like black coaches, obviously with the clear exception of Mike Tomlin. Why do they have such a short leash in this league? But then also, too, that drove me to look up, and I'm going to share this screen again because I had to ask the black coaches in the NFL. 
and by way of this site Quora, it's like a question and answer type website. As who are all of the black coaches in NFL history? And there was only I'll count we'll count them out, but I believe it was only 20 or 22 I when I counted. Fritz Pollard, who, if y'all don't know, was the first black quarterback to win a championship in the NFL. He was also a coach. Tony Dungy, Super Bowl winner. Marv Lewis, Hugh Jackson, Dennis Green, Lovey Smith, who lost the Super Bowl against Tony Dungy. Mike Singletary, Herm Edwards, Ray Rhodes, Jim Caldwell, as you see the background, Art Shell, Todd Bowles, Vance Joseph, Steve Wilkes, Romeo Cornell, Raheem Morris, Leslie Frazier, Brian Flores, and Anthony Lynn. I didn't need to say Tom. Well, I said Tomlin again, but we've mentioned that man enough. This is the only amount of black head coaches that's been in the NFL ever. Ever. So, first and foremost, we love to talk about opportunity. There's always opportunity because every year there's at least two to three jobs or more. I think right now there's what, seven, six or seven out right now? But there's yeah. always opportunity. This comes down to organization. This comes down to, you know what? When people try to say the NFL is racist, stuff like this makes it look correct. Stuff like this makes it look correct. And yes, people will use the blanket statement of the NFL as a whole, as a whole, but it's really the good old boys networks in each of the single organizations. You know what I'm saying? The Rooney rule, thanks to once again to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Rooney family who created the rule to try to give that shout out to people of color. And we talked about this a few episodes back. We talked about the Rooney rule. Is it effective? Is it not? Um, and it's obviously showing it's not. It's not effective at all. They did expand it, I think, a year or two ago, where now you have to interview at least two people of color for head coaching jobs. But we all know how the interview process works. The interview process works in the way of, yo, all you got to do is just bring them in the office. Mm -hmm. Hey, we seen you. Here's a cup of coffee. You want a drink? So what are you? What, what's your prospects? Hey, maybe I could call a friend for you. I'll call sure. you back. How about that? We all went through jobs where we're like, all right, we'll call you back. That's usually always code for you don't have the job. Because if they want you, you'll find out leaving that interview. I don't give a fuck what job it is. If they like you, you will get that notice ASAP. I might have in life maybe got one phone call back from a place that said, oh, we'll call you. But for the most part, it doesn't happen. And I think that's kind of the compliance that's used within this Rooney rule. I, I think it's a, hey, look, we did this. Look at this. <laughs> look at my African-Americans, just like Donald Trump used to say. Look at my African-American. Like, that's what goes on. You know what I'm saying? And, yes, I'm glad that this rule is there because it makes you, it makes them have to do something, at least try, you know, and it's open up to people of color. So it doesn't always have to be black men. But when you put into perspective that the league is 70 to 72% or more 
made up of black players. Why don't these two things tend to resemble themselves? Jamal. Um, there is no other answer. It's, it's based on race. You've got two organizations who had long-term black coaches, the, the Steelers and the Bengals with uh, Marv Lewis. And, um, but other than that, it's like, it's almost like this black coach. We just don't, they just, we just don't get the time allotted uh, for success. Um, it's, it's incredible that, you know, uh, Herm Edwards doesn't have an NFL job, but Adam Gase had two jobs in, in the last few years. It's ridiculous, you know. Um, it, we're just not valued like that. And that's just the bottom line. Uh, we're, we're just not valued. Our expertise and experience are not valued uh, as as in leadership roles in um, in the NFL. And word to Hollis, what he just said, it's a reflection on society. Yeah, it's, it's correct. Right. I mean, he also, this, he also said before that he's. Like, I think it's a matter of. The owner's not thinking we can lead men. Like, if you think about it, black QBs are not really sought after either. That's why there's a Rooney rule, because they know they on some fuck shit. A hundred percent. Anywhere where we don't have a say in how things things go, this is this is the experience that we have. Yeah. That's just the fact. Yeah. And that 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 TJ, that speaks that speaks to directly to you know lack of black ownership or lack of people of color ownership like there is i know i forgot what what team the woman owns there's a woman who's a majority owner who is a person of color then you got shad khan who you know the jaguars he, he allowed his jaguars to just kind of run amok early this year with the whole urban liars situation and all of that but after that that's it like there's black owners on the minority level ownership all around Look, you know like the dolphins venus and serena were minority owners a couple other people of color minority minority owners of the dolphins but across the league it's just minority owners you know what i'm saying and, look, and there's, Andra, there's a, minority owner there's, there's there's so many factors involved with this uh nepotism is rampant in the nfl okay if you're a coach of a son cousin uncle Coaching brother-in-law tree. bullshit, coaching, coaching tree, tree bullshit, uh, nepotism, favoritism, all the isms you want to put in there run rampant throughout the NFL. It's the only league pretty much that allows that bullshit. And I find it ironic that you see on the, on the football fields, erase racism, on the back of the helmet, stop the hate. But that shit don't apply to nowhere else but the field. You know what I'm saying? It does not apply to the front office or upper management. So who are they fooling? This is just some ploy to make it look like shit is all good out there when it clearly isn't. The reason that there are not more black NFL coaches or higher ups, I don't think is that they don't believe there's a leader of men. They did. It's like you said, it's the good old boys. Network. It, it's it's. It's squeezing the sand out of your hand. You know what I'm saying? They, this is the last stronghold for what they have in, in society of ownership over players and, and people of color. So they're not letting that go. They're not going to let that shit go for any any reason. And there's, there's that's why there's no age requirement or nothing like that to, to own a team. Because once they go, the, you know, somebody else can swoop in and get that. But they're not letting that happen. 
And as you mentioned, just ownership. Like, let's think, let's think about when the whole Colin Kaepernick situation went down. And during that time, we had the situation with the owner from the uh, Carolina Panthers. Diddy stepped up and was like, yo, like, I'm ready to buy them. I got a crew of people ready to buy them. Goes back to good old boy network of they have to be approved by the 31 other owners to be in that circle. Of course. So, so let's think, thinking back to a shag con, this had to been a situation of big bank takes little bank. And his bank was probably a few billion dollars more than most of these other owners. And they had to say, come on, let's let them in. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is yeah. just like, it's almost like politics. Like, you can't. You had to overpay. You had to overpay yeah, to like, get there. You can't win a race in politics if you don't spend hundreds of millions of dollars. That should tell you everything about the game itself, that it's not it's not about the people. It's not about, uh, you know, true policymaking. It's just about money. Same thing goes with the league. If say, say, all right, say if maybe like a Byron Allen didn't step away from TV and wanted to buy a team, he might have enough money that trumps most of these other cats where they could say, come on, let's go. But there's what? There's maybe, there's maybe, I think they say that there's maybe 30 to 35 of black, black folks in the world that could possess that, possess that much money to possibly be able to do that. Do they really want to bring hip hop into the NFL thinking of Diddy again when, oh my good, excuse me again, 70 plus percent. I'm sure out of that 70 percent, at least 40 to 40 to 50, close to 50 percent identify with of the hip hop culture. Listen, they play this shit throughout the game. They play hip hop all all throughout the game, practice, halftime, timeouts. Because you hear that shit in warmups all. All, all, the, all throughout the, all throughout the league. So it's, just, it's just a walking contradiction, man. It's just a walking contradiction. And we said something a few weeks back. The only way you make changes to that is the people who are giving the NFL money, the sponsors, the Cokes, the Pepsi's, the Apples, you know, the, the IBM's, or you know, all these big corporations say, hey, you know, if you guys don't start changing your hiring practices, we're gonna stop giving you money. The TV or, money that they get, we want, or they can just straight up say, "Look, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm, I'm Budweiser, I'm Anheuser Busch, probably your biggest sponsor to the whole league. We'll pull out if we don't see more black coaches." And we'll black, pull out all that shit out of your stadium. All, all black people love Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> Budweiser, um, but word. Uh, a lot of those companies they'll have the same structure in place as this is true as the there you NFL. go so that's that in particular becomes a, a, another obstacle um so it is i mean it it is what it is and it's and it's it's uh obviously apparent what it is there's there, right. there is no there is no coincidences at this point so yeah. they just they just don't want to and they they'll, they'll hire uh, a black coach or a person of color, and uh, you'll be put on a shorter leech, and then they'll get you out of there to try and get whoever they really wanted to hire in there. You know, so right? Or they let you build the team up to be competitive, 
pull you out and let the let the kudos go to the the next high. That's what happened to Herm Jets. Edwards with the Jets. Yes, yes. The, the, those uh, Rex Ryan team. Those are Herm Edwards team, and Herm Edwards was winning playoff games. At least taking them to playoffs. Right. That's what happened in the NBA to uh, to, to Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson. <laughs> Mark Jackson. Yeah. I mean, there, there's yeah. another rabbit hole behind that. I know JP and I discussed that when that happened, but you know. At least Steve Kerr gave Mark his, his flowers, though. This that. is facts. This is facts. You know but what? real quick, though, real quick before we get out of here, I pulled up this thing from uh, CBS.com. Ranking the positions or, or opportunities, what they felt was from worst to first when it comes to the openings. We got the Las Vegas Raiders. We got advertisements in the way. <laughs> we got the Denver Broncos. We got more advertisements. We got the Miami Dolphins, the Chicago Bears, Minnesota Vikings, your Giants, Jacksonville Jaguars, Houston Texans. Those are the eight positions available within the NFL right now that are in need of head coaches. Um I'm striking out right now. Any possibility of any black man leading y'all New York Giants? That's out. Sad. It's we know sad. I want Brian Flores so bad. They barely, they barely no, wanted freaking Geno. They barely wanted Geno Smith as a backup. They went and drafted Danny Dimes when there was tons of other quarterbacks better than <laughs> black or not. You know what I'm saying? I know that your Giants is going to stay white forever, unfortunately. But out of any of these spots, do you see any black person stepping into any of these roles? As Go much ahead. as I want that to happen with the Giants, the only way there's an opening for that to happen with the Giants is if they give Lewis Riddick that GM job. Because mm. whoever the next GM comes in, gets the keys to the kingdom. Giants ownership has finally figured out that they have no idea what the fuck they're doing. And they're stepping <laughs> all the way back. Yo, they're for Mara to step out. For Mara yeah. to step out on camera and pretty much kind of like admit that without saying it. You're right, Jamal. And he didn't do that. It was Tish. Tish is the one oh. behind the scenes who's been throwing shit and was like, yo, stop. You, don't, you have no idea what you're doing. Just stop. So if they bring in Riddick, we have a shot at Flores. He's homegrown too. So, and which is which is the most despicable thing. If you look at this this vaunted New England coaching tree, there's only one coach that came out of there who was who was worth a damn, and they just fired him in Miami. Right. So, right. That's the only way we get one in New York. But if, if Riddick comes in, I can see Flores uh, coaching the Giants. It's the you know it's, a, it's the biggest market available right now. Um, I think it would be a good fit. It'd be an excellent fit. It'd be mm-hmm. an excellent fit, and turn that whole entire organization around. It's different, completely. You know, completely modern football. Wow, wow, that'd but be I, some. That'd be a breath of fresh air. As far as I organizations, the best opportunity to me is the Raiders, though. Realistically, I think the best opportunity is the Raiders of No, I think the Vikings. The Vikings have been known to hire uh, black head coaches. Dennis Green had a very successful run out in Minnesota with Dante Culpepper and them boys back in the day. 
that'd be a, a nice opportunity for Flores to go there as well. You know what I'm saying? And, and keep, keep that train going. So as much as I hate to say it, the Vikings, I wouldn't put it past them, you know, to throw their feelers out there and give that man a shot. But do we see – so out of all of these eight eight jobs, are we kind of talking now that only Brian Flores has the best shot? No. No. Uh, no. Because that was the rumors why they pushed Brian Flores out anyway. They was already – Miami was already talking to Harbaugh. So he's probably going to get his, his his pick. But no – But we're talking about black – Nobody's coaches. talking about Eric – Black coaches? Nobody's – Nobody's bringing up Eric Bieniemy's name anymore, and he still, I think, has a great shot to be an NFL coach. I mean, he's still got KC winning games and maintaining their success. And if how, however deep they the run they have this year, his name will be brought back up again uh, to be interviewed, and he should get a job. Maybe he I gets should. the Raiders' job. Maybe I he gets the Raiders' job. I wouldn't I even should. want him to foot for the Giants because we such a shit show. It'll ruin that man's career. Right, and, right, and Byron Leftwich as well. Yeah, yeah. Byron Leftwich is a king, bro. I Byron Leftwich yeah. should have been a no-brainer for the Jaguars as soon as right. they had that position available. But they went with the fly, flashy, urban. I got a heart condition. I got a brain tumor, Maya. They went with that shit. They went with fucking Mister. I'm leaving Utah. To go to to Florida to win a national championship, to leave scandal, to go to Ohio State to leave on a fucking scandal, Meyer. They went that way instead of their homegrown. And not saying not saying he's from Jacksonville, but he was possibly one of their, if not their best quarterback they've ever had. Next, he was the face of that franchise. He was the face of that franchise for years, bro. Exactly, it was Byron Leftwich, and he did work. Yes. Even on the hurt leg when his teammates was carrying him down the field. That was an amazing game he played. I'm picturing that moment right through my head right now as we speak that man's name. So I all right. Yep. So I will I, I will say that this coming year, there won't be just Mike Tomlin. I, I do think Byron and Eric finally get those shots. I mean, let, let's see how Tampa does throughout these playoffs. We've seen what they did last season. I mean, if helping add to Tom Brady's fucking legacy and getting him number seven isn't it for you. I don't know. But I, I think them two are definitely going to get a shot. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, go ahead, Jamal. No, I believe so. Especially Leftwich. I think he's going to get a shot. I think he's going to do well, too. Yeah, um, yeah. You know what? You know what goes without saying? It's who these guys bring in with them. Yeah. When they get hired, too, you know, I mean, they owe a lot of favors to the people that got them to the positions they had to, to be head coaches. And, you know, you like to bring the people you're comfortable with and, you know, you have a working relationship with. And so that that helps a lot, too. So if you can get if if you know what, if you can bring in the people to help you be successful, it's always going to be a better shot for, to be more successful as a head coach. Nine times out of ten, though, some teams won't allow you to talk to their Head coaches, but look at how many defensive and offensive coordinators are people of color in this league. They're they're scattered throughout the league, and right. there's more than there's more than ten of them for sure. Uh, and they're they're all either were head coaches or former you know assistant head coaches at one time or another. You gotta you gotta give these people a shot. They they're there. You got 
these these are the real guys that run in the offense and defense of these teams. Why not give these guys a shot? Todd Bowles. Todd freaking Bowles. With all the shit that he went through with the Jets, just won a Super Bowl with Tampa. He got Tampa. a bad rap there. Just won a Super Bowl with Tampa. And then as you think about it, because I was thinking about this actually pre-show. Remembering and, and, and help me lay, watch me land this plane real quick. Remembering talking to my cousin who used to own a heating and, and AC business. Used to own one. He was like, oh, one day we was, we was at one of our family members' funerals, and he was just like, oh, I'm working for such and such, such, such. I was like, oh, what happened? You, you, I thought you owned your joint. I remember making the logo for you. He was just like, nah, I'm working with somebody. I was like, word? Like, you didn't want to do for yourself? And he said, sometimes it's better to just go work for somebody else and not have to deal with all the headaches that come with running a business and make 52 to $55 an hour instead of making $100 an hour, but you're cutting that down in half or less because you have to utilize all that back into the business. So maybe some of these coaches, as I mentioned, the Todd Bowles, maybe a Todd Bowles might not want that responsibility again. You think they're burnt out? You think they got burnt out from being a head coach at the position and with the headache? I mean, it's a it's a daunting task. It's calling, not easy. I'm not calling burnout. I'm not calling burnout. I'm just saying they might not want that full responsibility. And people get comfortable in certain spots. You know, people get comfortable. But nonetheless, I again, left which the enemy, they finally need to make that jump. I think the enemy, I think the Raiders should look at the enemy. You've seen this man whoop y'all ass year in and year out the past few years mm-hmm. in your division. Yeah. With the tools you have, and you've seen the offense that that man put together. Sure. Go get it. Go get him. That's a good fit. They got, and they got, some, they got some players for him, too. Uh, like I said, exactly. I think the worst opportunity yeah. for any of these folks right now is the Giants because we touch a shit show. <laughs> With the exception of Flores, because he can turn a team around. That's the only, you know, I would, I would like him yes, to take that. He can turn. He a team definitely around. has the experience. Yeah. With that market, you know, you turn that team around that market, they'll love you forever. Right. But the the flip side is, yeah, we're a shit show from the top to the roots, and it's going to be a minute. And that, and that's a part of the problem, yo. And that's a part of the problem too. Is is that you give these black men these opportunities like homeboy in the Texans, you give them shit opportunities. You give them, you know, you, 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 you try to make them turn shit in the sugar. That's right. You know what I'm saying? You try to make them turn shit in the sugar. And then it's like, well, we gave you a shot. If, if that when they do that, it feels like, well, what do we have to lose highest is what it feels like. Cause those right. Are the only- these are the only opportunities that that we're getting, and not with not getting them with these some of these premier organizations. Right. So, um, that's the part is discouraging. So that's like it's a complete uphill battle on all sides. I don't know who would want to coach the Texans with the shit show that is. I mean, you talk about the Giants being a shit show. The Texans front office and their owner is a complete and utter shit show in itself. With the Deshaun Watson situation, with all that sh- other shit that's going on over there, I don't. I wouldn't voluntarily, if they came to look, say, "Hey, we want to 
interview you. I, I might pass on that shit just because of the dysfunctionality of that organization as a whole. And the way the owner and the way the owner gets involved with, with player personnel decisions and stuff like that, I wouldn't want to be handcuffed like that, knowing in the back of my mind, if something goes wrong, this dude is going to step in and not let me handle and run the team the way I see fit. So, That's right. I mean, I would, I would, I would, if, if, if I was anybody, I mean, granted, you know, you want your first head coaching job and you do anything to get it. Maybe you'd take that job. But outside of that, if you've done that before, boy, man, stay far and clear away from that place. That's, you want to talk about toxic? That place is a fucking nuclear disaster zone over there, bro. It's fucking Three Mile Island all over again. Shit, Chernobyl is what the Texans are, bro. It's it's disgusting. But somebody's gonna have to get the job, and unfortunately, it just might be another black man who, once again, is on a short leash. Like the dude that they even hired, everybody kind of felt like, yo, who is this dude? But then we find out that he was like a long tenured like coach on like the lower ranks in the league for a really, really long time. And then it was like, hey, celebrate him. He got his shot. He got his shot at what though? Yeah, again, it's like what what do we have to lose I Right. You know, right. I give him a shot, you know. So yeah, like if this like if this man can turn this fucking 1976 Pinto into a fucking 2022 Corvette, then we'll keep him. Nah, these coaches are not set up for success, bro. And that's, Man, that's the problem. That is the problem. Set up for success. They don't got the GM in place to help them out. They don't got the personnel. So... When players are refusing to play because of ownership and the way they've been handled, what do you think the head coach is going to do? Like, you can't get the players to play for you. How are the coach going to get the players to play for you? Like, it does, you know, those guys are there on contracts because they're there for the check. And they'll show up on Sundays for the love of the game and collect the check. And after that, they're done. But they I'm, have no vested interest. To close this out with that Texan situation, 20,000 volts of nigatricity and magic ain't going to save that shit. No matter how <laughs> no matter how much black no much how much blackness you try to put in that shit ain't ain't nah. ain't, ain't, <laughs> ain't nothing coming to light out no, of that. No, no, would be a great coach for the Texans if he was still alive, Rick James. Rick James could coach the Texans and that shit would be hysterical. <laughs> I mean, Halftimes half would be fucking lit beyond fucking belief. He bring he'll bring back Tina Marie. <laughs> Mary Jane we did we well we Charlie, have to be legal in Texas. I don't think it's legal yet. So Charlie Murphy be the defensive coordinator. <laughs> fucking amazing. Rest in rest in peace to them as always. But rest in peace to this week's show. This was done. Good conversation. We kind of talked about the obvious, but nonetheless, it was still a good conversation to have. Y'all know what to do. Uh another great show. Thanks for everybody participating in the comments. Like Dan said, hit the QR code, get involved, be a part of the show, hit us all up. Um, have a great week. Stay warm. Uh, if you got a space here, to be careful. Uh, if you're not too, if everybody doesn't know the situation that happened in the Bronx about a week ago with the space heater fire, you know that was a very tragic event. Uh, just be safe out there. Be careful, and everybody have a great week. Cool. Yeah, word. Rest Shout out to the people in the Bronx, man. Yeah.
So yeah, thank you everybody for watching and listening. Shout out to the mayor. Shout out to TJ. Thank y'all for having me. Um, everybody stay warm and be careful. Enjoy your day off as you got one tomorrow for MLK Day in, in, in conjunction with what we were just talking about. Just bear in mind that, uh, you know, we get this day off and some people like to pretend that MLK was universally loved and he, he, he wasn't. So um, just keep that, you know, keep that in mind because a lot of the rhetoric he faced uh, back then is still out there right now. And I think today's show was tackled that pretty, pretty, pretty closely. So, but shout out everybody. Right. Right. But we we also too, in in the face of what tomorrow is, which his actual birthday was yesterday and happy birthday to my sister also, who just turned 32, same day as Martin Luther King. But, you know, understand, understand all the bad that came with that good to make yourself better too. If you're going to try to learn lessons off of that man or utilize lessons off of that man, the internet, as we say, is a gift and a curse. And in, in some ways, gift and curse, we've learned way more about him. Not enough where the negative outweighs the positive, but it just gave us more layers to understand about that man and, and how, one, how his death even happened which the way we've been taught learning, it didn't really, you know, it wasn't who we thought it was. You know, we're not going too deep into that. You know, the, uh, uh, how he was as a person showed no, nobody's perfect. No matter how much you want to quote, I had a dream and all of that. Nobody was perfect. But still with understanding and knowing all of that, utilize all the good and the bad that you choose to make yourself better in respecting and reflecting on that day. And with that being said, peace to disposable planets. We out. Disabled. We'll see y'all next week. Disabled, Disabled planets. You got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> we out, y'all. Peace. <laughs>